Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're well and safe wherever you are. You may have heard in last week's shows, we're going to be focusing on the impact of the coronavirus pandemic in upcoming episodes, trying to talk to as many people as possible across the international TV business to find out about their experiences of the present crisis, share knowledge and hopefully do our little bit to help the industry and those that work within it get through the challenging times ahead. We'd like to hear your story, no matter where you are or which part of the business you're involved in. So do get in touch with us via email using the address press at c21media.net or send us a message on Twitter and one of our journalists will come back to you. We've got three analysts for you today talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the US broadcast networks, streamers, global pay TV sector and sports. First, Mark Berman, Editor-in-Chief of Programming Insider, a veteran US TV industry analyst. Normally, Berman would be busy writing about US pilot season right now in the build-up to the upfronts and LA screenings, events which have historically kicked off the cycle of programming picked up by the nation's broadcast networks, then syndicated around the world. With viewers increasingly switching to on-demand viewing and international channels focusing more on local content, this tradition has in recent years been weakened by the advent of 24-7 commissioning. Hollywood writers' strikes have in the past tested the system too, but COVID-19 has had an impact many orders of magnitude greater. C21's Ed Waller asked Berman to describe the present situation and put it into context. Uh, Things are very strange here. This is the oddest thing that I've ever seen. Ultimately, what's happening is production is pretty much shut down across the industry. Anyone that's doing scripted programming, they can't produce anything right now because people cannot gather together. And then you have you have a late night talk show like Conan O'Brien that they're now going to be shooting it remotely. So it won't be in a studio. It's going to be, you know, at various spots. So what's happening is a lot of the production for the non-scripted product is going to be remotely. And the scripted product has all shut down. I mean, AMC just made an announcement that it's upcoming Walking Dead spinoff. That's going to be postponed. It was supposed to premiere in April. So everyone's postponing the start of certain things, but we don't know exactly when, they're going to come back or when they can get started because we don't know how long this is going to last. And then what's also happening in the media business here in the States is you have the broad, this is upfront season. This is the biggest time of the year. So it normally at this time of the year, the cable networks are presenting their programming plans for next year. Well, you can't do presentations now. So they've all been canceled. The broadcast networks canceled their presentations which is the second week in May every year. And it's very up in the air what they're even going to be able to announce because we don't know when production's going to restart. So the whole situation is so strange. And then to top it off, more people are watching television now because they're home and isolated. So it's a very strange occurrence. Just to look at the ratings now, it's like there's more people watching but how long can these broadcasters accommodate them with original products? So that's the question. So do you think there's a real uh, demand for um, shows that are already in the can, which obviously means that the studios are going to be in pole position, right? Yes, there's going to be great demand. I mean, look what's happening. We live in a world of peak TV. You know, this year, the, the original prediction was we'd have over 500 original scripted series across all platforms. That's a lot of content. That's a ton of stuff. You have all these 
outlets that are producing original content. And you, and in particular, all these new streamers, I mean, Peacock and HBO Max are supposed to start in April. They said they're still going to start. Um, Quibi, which is short form, they're supposed to start in April. So there's so many outlets out there and they're in so great demand of content. Now everything's shut down. So it's, 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 very strange. It's like the walking dead in the industry. It's very odd. And, and again, let me reiterate more people are watching television now, which would be a wonderful problem to have, you know, which we never have because, you know, the ratings keep going down, but not, not now. Do you think the uh, streamers that are backed by the studios will be in a better position because they, they'll have all this, uh, all those um, you know, much loved shows like The Office or The Big Bang Theory to, to rely on rather than the original productions? Uh, do you think that's the case? Well, that's helpful. I mean, look, look, you know, there's a lot of off network content out there. There's a lot of stuff. So you have, you know, these streamers coming up, you know, Peacock, it has the whole NBC Universal Library and, um, and other, other places. Same thing with HBO Max. They have, you know, the Warner Brothers. There's a lot of content that's already been seen. But the trick behind these streamers is they need original product also. It can't just be about repeats. You know, the whole idea is they want to bring you in. And the way to do it is they're going to have a base of product already in their library, which Disney Plus did beautifully. But the thing about Disney Plus is it's not just about the Disney library or the Star Wars or anything else. They also have original shows. So yes, Peacock can begin, HBO Max can begin. But then the question is, when are these original shows going to start? So the whole idea behind a streamer is, yes, it's wonderful to have a library of product that's very important, but you need original content also. What about the full season? Because obviously all the shows that are a bit, were meant to be in production and piloting now were destined for the full season. Is that going to impact uh, the whole broadcast industry as a whole? Oh, I think so, without a doubt. And look, it all depends on how long this goes on for. You know, we don't know yet. Is it going to, are we going to have a miraculous recovery in a couple of weeks? It seems very unlikely. So this is logically going to continue, um, you know, who knows how long. So depending on how long, the start of the fall season will have to be delayed. And you have to also remember, you have shows like, you know, non-scripted product, like, like American Idol right now is on ABC. We have The Voice on NBC. They can't finish their seasons because they're not going to be able to do it in front of a studio, in front of an audience, the way they do it. They're going to have to postpone the ending. You have a show like Big Brother on CBS that runs every summer. Is that going to be running this summer? I mean, if this thing continues, they're not going to do that. They're not going to put people in a house in the middle of all of this. But I think what we are going to see, which is very, very pivotal to non-scripted, you're going to, you're going to see a rise of the non-scripted format because traditionally, when the broadcasters striked, when there was a strike, they would have non-scripted stuff all over the place. So that will help. But then again, it all depends on when, how long this is going to last because you can't get a camera crew together. You can't get people together because you can't because it's, you know, it's too dangerous right now. So, yes, chances are the start of the fall TV season will have to be delayed. I mean, what can the networks announce? Let's say the broadcast networks, you know, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and the CW. What are they going to announce the second week in May if we don't know what's happening by then? Who knows? But I don't see how anybody can announce plans for next season until we get past this.
Do you think uh, that there's it's a good opportunity for international distributors now to sell Finnish programming into the U.S., you know, from the U.K., from Canada, from Australia? Oh, without a doubt, yes, without a doubt, because everybody's going to be looking for stuff. You know, sadly, this is a, this is a situation, unfortunately, and we're all facing. It's not just here. Everyone's facing this. So you're going through the same thing there. You know, this is all over the place. But yes, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I'll give you an example of something that's been very successful here. And I just started watching it. I've been watching Schitt's Creek, which is a Canadian show. And it was, you know, it's running on pop. And I'm looking for something new to watch that I haven't seen. So I, I've, been, I've been binging it myself. I just watched eight episodes this weekend. So yes, there's a, there'll be a, a total demand a greater demand for international product because there's a lot of it. A lot of it is very good. And the broadcasters are going to need it because again, right now there's original shows, everything seems normal. Everything seems fine. But what happens in a couple of months when the seasons end and there isn't anything to put on. So, Yes, there'll be a great demand for that, without a doubt. Do you think we've, we're getting to the point, or when will we get to the point when uh, channels start going dark, or even production companies that aren't perhaps as big as the studios folding because uh, they're not getting any production fees? Oh, that could be in the near future. You know, again, it all depends on what's going to happen with this. That could be totally in the near future because, you know, right now, what we're facing here, which I'm sure you're facing there, is, you know, a lot of the small businesses are closing down. You know, they're, they, they can't open now. They're gonna, are they going to come back after this ends? Who knows? Are they going to rebound? So you're going to have the same thing with production companies. They're, they're going to be sitting idle. They're going to be paying salaries. People are going to start losing jobs. The whole thing is a mess. It's a complete mess. So, yes, the whole scenario could change. And it all depends on, you know, how fast we can move past this. And it doesn't seem like something that's going to resolve that quickly. So everything's in a standstill right now. And I think the story that needs to be written that nobody is, has written yet is exactly what we're talking about. You know, what happens to the, what happens to the Hollywood community? What happens to these producers, production companies? What's going to happen? And how do they now, how do, how do we now satisfy the growing need of content when you can't do anything? International is going to be a big part of this ticket. Without a doubt. All this comes amid uh, a potential writer's strike. How, how do you think that's going to pan out in conjunction with the virus pandemic? Oh, my goodness. I mean, in the middle of this, a writer's strike is just sheer, sheer catastrophe. Sheer catastrophe at this point. You know, I always try to think optimistically. And look, we've lived through strikes here. You know, I remember the season way back when, when we had to wait a few months. And, you know, as a fan of the median, it was very frustrating. But we moved past this. But... On top of all this, a writer's strike. I mean, I think this chances are that will they'll figure a way to resolve that. Because the last thing anybody wants to do in the middle of all this, when there's no work to be had, is to suddenly have a writer's strike in the middle of all this. So let's figure out a way to resolve that. Because when we can move past this and we can get the ball rolling again, everybody gets back to business, you know? I think I think the way that this is going to resolve itself, I think we as a country, as a as a nation, we have to all work together and we have to, you know, figure this out. And and writers striking? No, 
No, they've got to find a way to resolve it. Crazy. Programming Insider, Mark Berman, talking with C21's Ed Waller. You heard mention there of Disney+, Plus, the Mouse House's own streaming service, which rolled out in a number of European territories this week, though the French government reportedly asked Disney to push back its arrival there for fear of the impact it would have on broadband networks, already struggling under the burden of a population working from home. Digital TV research founder Simon Murray spoke with C21's Nico Franks about the likely upswing in demand for streaming services as countries all around the world go into lockdown and the challenges facing pay TV. It's uh, early days, obviously, in the whole of the uh, pandemic uh, scenario, but uh, we have seen certain things that are, are interesting. Um, generally, we think that people spend obviously more time at home so they'll spend more time watching um content on TV screens or on, online or whatever. So I think that means that subscribers will go up for um, um, effort uh, platforms such as um, Disney Plus. Disney Plus especially um, because it's new uh, or will be new in a lot of countries quite soon and um, it's a good way of keeping the kids quiet when you're trying to do some work from home. So that's one incentive there. Um, but even, even I mean, people will spend more time at home and more time consuming content in, in whatever form. So I think in a, a pay TV uh, subscription world will be, will, uh, be okay, maybe even prosper in some countries uh, from this. However, of course, the big question is what happens with sports, uh, especially live sports, and most major sports uh, leagues have um, cancelled the uh, games for at least a short period of time, some of them cancelled for the whole season. And this, of course, could have a, a major detrimental effect on um, especially on the, the traditional pay TV environment um, because um, people will either expect rebates uh, for um, time when they don't have anything to watch or they will cancel their subscriptions. And, of course, a lot of um, pay TV operators spend a lot of the summer, in, in Europe especially, trying to convince people that they should re um, subscribe to their sports service. In Europe, the, the sports season is very much dictated by uh, football, by soccer. And so when the season ends in um, May, uh, a lot of subscription, subscriptions drop off. So if people haven't been watching uh, football, live football since March, I think the problem will be worse for a lot of the operators because they'll, they'll have to, it'll take longer for them to convince people to uh, resubscribe especially if, uh, as there are so many uncertainties at the moment, for example, when the season is going to start. So I think they will have to offer people, either um, existing subscribers, free service, or some sort of rebate, or even going into next season, they might offer the first month, per se, of the English Premier League for free, um, that would be August this year, as an incentive for people to sign up for a year's contract for the next year. Now, that's Nothing I've heard, that's just purely my speculation. I think the PTV operators are going to see cord shaving rather than cord cutting, whereby people downgrade the packages as they've got, drop the sports packages, maybe even uh, take off on the movie packages will increase, but uh, I think we're going to see that. I suppose some of the, the main S-pods are shielded from that because quite a few of them, specifically Netflix, have stayed away from sports, haven't they? Netflix has definitely stayed away from sports. Um... Some of the other services around the world have relied on sports. For example, um, Hotstar in India has the rights to the Indian Premier League. And I, I believe that the Indian Premier League has suspended its season. And it was a 
major draw for hot star in, in India. Um, so they're, they're losing out there. Uh, another interesting scenario, of course, is in the States where you can get uh, an attractively priced combination of Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Now, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned before, Disney Plus is attractive to people with uh, homes with young children because they, uh, it's a good way of, of uh, entertaining children, when, especially with the, if the homes in lockdown mode. However, the attractiveness of the ESPN Plus um, aspect of that of that uh, uh, subscription is downgraded. And looking further ahead, if there is likely to be huge economic um, negative impact as a result of coronavirus, um, potential recession, that's never a good thing for for subscriptions. But could play to play in favour of free TV and AVOD. Is that something you potentially see happening? I. Uh... I don't think it will. Uh, I think the advertising market is going to be hit very hard um, because people won't be uh, going out and buying stuff, uh, to put it in most simplest terms. Uh, you know, you, people won't be booking holidays or um, uh, um, going to restaurants or um, watching films in cinemas, for example. So I think the advertising market, uh, at least in the short term, is going to be hit really hard. Really, really hard. I think the whole AVOD sector will be hit very hard indeed. So um, that's an uh, unfortunate consequence. Um, I think, I mean, I, I did mention before that subscri- subscriptions to uh, S4 platforms will probably increase as people can spend more time at home. But of course, the, the one thing to look out for there is the fact that some people might lose their jobs, unfortunately, and well, might, may not be af- able to afford um, either uh, traditional pay TV subscriptions or um, S4 subscriptions. You mentioned the, the big event cancellations. Do you see the gaps that are being opened up there in the schedule potentially providing a boon to certain players in the TV industry? And also with those big events, obviously certain broadcasters aren't now having to pay to air those big events. I think ITV mentioned um, recently that because Euro 2020 has been postponed, it now has, you know, it, it doesn't have the cost of that event on its balance sheet, but also it's taking a hit in the loss of advertising. Well, quite, yeah. I'm assuming they'd, they'd, they'd make a lot more in advertising revenues than the cost of actually screening the event. So I think they would be, um, I think they would be effect, badly affected by by uh, cancellation of any any events, especially things like um, Euro 2020, uh, 20, which is obviously a summertime event, uh, and it's a good filler for for sports channels and even free-to-air broadcasters um, to gain audiences there. Um, as far as I know, there aren't any major um, sporting events taking place in the summer this year, so um, sports fans will be um, starved of content for, for quite some time. So yeah, it's not looking good in lots of aspects, and obviously the whole physical production of TV shows is grinding to a halt. Um, is there any silver lining you can see? You mentioned obviously people being indoors and viewing figures. Is that the main kind of um, thing to kind of grasp hold of for a bit of positivity? Yes, I think I think I think I think subscriptions, uh, especially S uh, one subscriptions, could increase uh, quite dramatically. I think um, I think uh, Disney Plus is one to one to watch because uh, uh, you know if you are, uh, as I said before, if you are stuck at home with your kids, it's a good way of entertaining them for at least part of the time, um, and they, they, people will spend more time on, on uh, these sort of entertainment uh, services, more money, of course. 
Um, but as I mentioned before, advertising is um, something that will be hit. Simon Murray from Digital TV Research, talking with C21's Nico Franks. Sport, as mentioned there, is a major source of concern to the TV industry, with confirmation this week that the Tokyo Olympics is the latest fixture to be axed, dealing broadcasters around the world a major financial blow. C21's Inigo Alexander spoke with Conrad Wycheck, Head of Sponsorship Research at Global Data Sport Cal. The entire sporting ecosystem at the moment is sort of under threat. Um, you know, the Sky Sports are able to uh, drive these significant rights fees through the fact that they're, they're able to sell advertising against live sport. If there's no live sport on, uh, there's nothing to advertise against for a lot of these brands, or at least not at the premium prices that they would have paid. So from that point of view, you, know, you can just see there that the entire ecosystem is dependent on each part working in harmony. Um, with when the live sport's on, uh, the broadcasters have something to show and they have something to offer to advertisers and advertisers have something to advertise against um, in terms of you know, reaching target audiences and things like that. So it, you know, just one game coming off um, has a profound impact, whereas we're in an unprecedented situation where every sporting league is in essence paused um, or suspended while we wait for the while we wait for what comes next, really. I was wondering if you could sort of shed light a bit on how the the bigger picture of the summer programming um, is going to be affected. What what does that mean for um, broadcasters that were reliant on big chunks of their programming uh, to come from those sporting events? How how do you reckon they're going to be able to fare over the summer? Um, again, I think the the downstream impact is the thing that's being assessed at the moment. Um, for someone like ITV, obviously they've, they've planned uh, schedules around the Euros. Um, so not only are they looking to fill uh, broadcasting schedules at the moment, they're also looking at um, the impact on advertisers. They, you know, this would have been um, premium adver- uh, a premium sort of slot on the TV schedule for advertisers, uh, especially advertising against England games here in the UK. Um, so from that point of view, uh, for the broadcasters, um, yeah, this is very much worst case scenario. Obviously, the big one then um, is the Olympic Games. Um, I think NBC uh, had cited a number saying that they uh, that their advertising income uh, against the Olympic Games was over a billion dollars, which is a significant chunk of change. However, you cut it, um, so you know. The Euros uh, will have a profound impact on the European market especially, uh, but because that's been postponed to 2021, you might see a situation where broadcasters, in essence, roll over agreements into next year. Uh, the challenge will come for a lot of brands, potentially, is once we understand the impact of uh, the COVID-19 outbreak, how many brands in how many sectors are going to be under pressure? So just you know as an obvious example the airline industry is already under pressure um, as a result of this outbreak so um, are they going to be looking at scaling back marketing and advertising expenditure as a result of this uh, that's highly likely because they'll be needing to divert funds in order to keep going and, and you mentioned there the uh, sort of potential rollover of all these deals I mean, what sort of financial impact is that likely to carry? Do you think most of them will be able to just be transferred to the Euros in 2021? Or do you think there will be 
significant losses as well that come along with the the, the year shift again you know it largely depend on the impact on the sectors really if it's the airline industry uh, i wouldn't imagine there'll be too much sort of spare cash um whereas we might see video conferencing companies all of a sudden take a boom over the next six months and they're in a position to sort of take on those advertising contracts the problem is it's the it's the lack of certainty uh which is the major sort of hindrance in terms of predicting anything because we don't know when things will restart the longer this goes on the more profound the impact will be across industry and i don't think you know anyone will be insulated from it so what that looks like next year we we just don't know but i would suggest that at the moment the contingency plan will be to roll over as many contracts as possible into next year once the leagues do pick up again and the tournament's back back on the schedule do you foresee the the prices of rights to you know either dramatically shoot up or dramatically drop to compensate for the sort of the 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 lull period in sports or what 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 do you expect the prices to be like once they once sports are back on the calendar you know the the appeal of sports rights at the moment is the fact that in essence it's the last bit of appointment viewing and what i mean by that is you know yes we can record football games yes we can record grand prix yes we can record you know olympic games etc but it it doesn't feel the same as watching it live that sort of buzz that you get from uh, live sport is is difficult to replicate so there is a, a still a substantial value to broadcasters in having live sporting rights so i, I wouldn't expect that market to collapse in the same way but again, it depends on what the result of, of the COVID-19 outbreak is. It depends on how long this goes on for. For something like the Premier League, for example, or Formula One, you know, that, that, that will always have an appeal. I suppose what this is telling broadcasters is how important live sport is to them. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a guaranteed audience to a certain extent. So um, I wouldn't expect there to be a long-term impact on the value of sports rights in that regard. If you were in a sports broadcaster's shoes or if you were someone at ITV or BBC who's just lost the Euros, for example, and the potential to lose uh, the Olympic Games, what would you do? What what would you choose to fill the summer programming that's now been scrapped? Well, first thing I'll say on that one is I'm glad I'm not. But I suppose, you know, one of the things that the um, some of the European channels are doing are, are sort of re-showing classic tournaments. I think Dutch broadcasters have been showing reruns of Euro 88, uh, which obviously Holland won. Uh, I saw a few people calling for the BBC and ITV to show Euro 96 again and things like that. So, so that could be an interesting way, I suppose, of filling the schedule, sort of re-showing classic tournaments. And, you know, for the Olympic Games, you've got plenty of content there that you could show over the course of um, uh, an Olympic schedule. Obviously, not showing live sport and showing uh, sport that we all know the results of won't get the sort of same numbers or same audience, but it could be a, uh, a sort of nice nostalgia tour uh, and fill in the overwhelming sort of desire for sport. I think normally what happens in sort of crisis situations is that we all turn to sport as a distraction. We don't have that now. And that's a, and that's a significant challenge for, for all of us, you know, especially us sport junkies. You know, there's a psychological impact here as well. So anything that, you know, sort of distracts people or, or gives people something else to focus on can't be a bad thing. And for sort of the niche broadcasters and the niche networks that focus solely on sport or focus solely on niche sports how worried should they be i mean is the thought of 
having to fold or having to completely go off air for a while, is that a legitimate concern or is it just a question of, you know, seeing it out with nostalgic viewing or reruns? Yeah, so for the niche channels or the sports specific channels, if we can put it that way, in a, in a lot of cases, you know, using the example of Sky here in the UK, uh, obviously backed by Comcast, who own NBC in the US. So there's a layer of insulation there for, for a lot of these guys in, in that sense. You know, they're part of a, a larger network or a, or a major broadcaster. The interesting ones are the new entrants into the market. So for someone like DAZN, they were planning to launch here in the UK on the 22nd of May, I think it was. Obviously, not they won't do that now uh, because there's not, literally no content to show. So for them, you know, and, and these streaming services, you know, there, there will be a challenge there because people just sort of cancel that until until they're ready to come back. For something like Sky Sports, for example, here in the UK, yes, you might lose some subscribers to Sky Sports, but Sky in general will insulate that. So I would suggest that people will be signing up to movie packages and, and various other bits and pieces that can be used to sort of offset some of that pressure. But if um, if all you show is sport, then you've got a, a particularly trying time over the next few months, I think. Uh, you could see a few not make it, depending on how long this goes. And obviously, I mean, it's it's bleak times now for everyone who's dependent on that, but are there any sort of positives that if you are one of the broadcasters reliant on sport, is there any silver lining at all? Again, it would depend on how quickly we can actually deal with the outbreak. I've seen certain people kind of go, well, you know, we shouldn't expect the resumption of any live sport until September, for example. Then that, that may be an issue. If the response is you know, listening to the British Prime Minister, you know, they're sort of looking at 12 weeks and um, and hoping to be starting to come out the other side of this, then, you know, hopefully, you know, we're over the worst bit by that point. So I suppose the silver lining is that in certain territories, in certain cases, China, Japan are obvious examples. They seem to be reporting a slowdown in new cases or no new cases at all, which suggests that in certain places they've got they've gotten a handle on this. Then that would be my silver lining, that it might not be as bleak as we expect expected it to be uh, even a couple of weeks ago. Conrad Wycheck from Global Data Sport Cal, talking with C21's Inigo Alexander. That's all for this episode. Remember, if you're in the international TV industry and you have a story to share about how you're getting through the pandemic, we'd love to hear from you. Email us using the address press at c21media.net or message us at c21media on Twitter. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest industry developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.